You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. I have a question for you here. Who has, who has done rock climbing? Has anyone accomplished that? All right, so a good number of you. Rita, that's awesome. I love it. Not recently. Not, oh, not recently. Okay. Was, okay. <laughs> so, okay, so it, rock climbing or bouldering, that's, that's like rock climbing without any ropes, but low enough. You know, just down the street here, uh, there's coolie climbing. There's, it's like, a, you know, you can climb, climb up some rocks. It's really fun. We've taken our kids there for a birthday party and stuff like that. You know, or real rock in the mountain. That's always good, too. Um, has, okay, here, here's a, the next level. Um, has anyone tried free solo climbing? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, so for those of you... Peter? Really? Just a bit. Okay. For those of you who don't know, free solo climbing is... Well, it's kind of like bouldering, but like really, really high up. And so it's, it's climbing without... Um, you know, safety equipment or ropes. And so if you fall, you will die. Okay? So, so well done, Peter. Just a little bit. He's, he's doing this. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're still alive, Peter. Um, so a while back, Shar uh, and I watched a documentary about a climber uh, named Alex Honold who climbed up El Capitan. All right? Which is a cliff face in Yosemite National Park down in the States. And This cliff face is a bit less than a kilometer high. So just a little bit less. So he, this guy named Alex, he climbed up 914 meters, 914 meters without any rope or without any safety equipment. Who, who, who thinks that's a good idea? Anyone? Peter? (laughs) All right, Selah? Oh boy, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. Like, I, I really enjoy the aspect of rock climbing, but that's a, that's, a, that, that's a long way up. He didn't do this, I should say, by just simply walking up to the bottom of this cliff and then start clambering up, hoping for the best. All right, he, there was a lot of prep work, and this documentary kind of outlined that and his story before he got to do this amazing task. Uh, there was lots of practice climbs with ropes, all right, and then lots of times uh, that he, you know, he, he hiked to the top, you know, using a different route, and then anchored himself and then lowered himself down on a rope so that he could figure out sections of this wall, of this cliff face, so that when the time came... He could literally just walk up and he was confident in the route that he had planned out with all the practice and all the the planning that he had done and he just went up. And wow, that would be amazing. Like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to do it, but that would be amazing. And so it was just him and the rock face. There was no ropes, no nothing. It all came down to him remembering the planning that he had done, remembering the route that he had planned out. So let's shift gears, and we're going to read what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church today. And we'll be continuing in chapter 7, and you'll have to wait to find out how free climbing a rock face relates to the Corinthian church. So Greg explained last week that chapter 7 marks 
a change of topic in this letter. Now, Paul turns his attention to some of the concerns, the questions that they had asked him, that the church had, mailed, had, had let, written a letter to him, which obviously we don't have around anymore. Uh, but that he was addre- Paul was addressing some of the concerns and questions that they had had for him. And so last week, uh, Greg talked about marriage and singleness. Uh, but over that entire theme, he talked about that the church was to focus on the most important relationship of all, which is the vertical one between people and God. And that that, that should be the focus of their lives and our lives, no matter what relationship status that we are in. If people are married, even to unbelievers, as it said in the, in the text last week, they should stay married, if at all possible, and honor God while doing so. If people are single, they should stay single and honor God while doing so. And so let's pick up the text today, and we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. And it says this, However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God has called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord. Just as whoever was a free when called is a slave to Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. This is the word of the Lord. Now, there are three things that I want to point out to you this morning here. Uh, Number one, there is a Big Mac hidden in these verses. Three times, three times, not three, three times, Paul repeats something very important. Once at the beginning, once in the middle, and once at the end. So, top bun, middle bun, bottom bun. All right, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. In whatever condition you were called, remain there with God. So, when we eat this Big Mac, what do we get? Indigestion. No, what we get is a clear instruction, clear instruction that is worth repeating three times that God has called us to faith at different points in our lives, right? And in whatever place we are at, we can and we should remain there with God. We can serve God wherever he has placed us with joy, and with contentment. 
Number two, Paul writes that circumcision doesn't matter and uncircumcision doesn't matter. And the most important thing is to follow the commandments of God. Quite simply, cultural differences, and in Corinth that meant being of either Jewish background or pagan or Gentile background, these cultural differences don't matter. In our church, whatever cultural background that you might come from, don't try and hide that or don't try to disguise your ethnicity or your culture. If you come from Eastern Europe or from Africa or Asia, Central America, or if you're indigenous, all of these cultures are important and that we don't have to try to change our cultural appearance. Because if you remember that, you, that some of the Jewish believers back in, in Corinth and in that area, era of time were trying to get Gentile believers to alter their appearance in order to follow Christ. That wasn't part of the gospel message, though. Often, and it seems, we make our, make our cultural values part and parcel with the gospel message that we bring to other people. But there's nothing inherently Christian about simply being white. And praise the Lord for that. That all cultures, all ethnicities, all people groups, all languages can follow God. That we can all follow God's commandments. Paul is saying that you don't have to try and somehow disguise yourself in a different culture in order to follow God. And I'll be the first to admit Mistakes have been made. Huge mistakes have been made in this era, in this area. What matters most is following the commandments of God in whatever cultural context that you are from. And the third thing is that Paul asks a big question Were you a slave when you became a Christian? And he says not to let it to bother you, but instead to make the most of the situation that you are in, to serve your master well. Other translations that you might be reading might say that if you can somehow gain your freedom from slavery, please do so. All right, Paul didn't have any problem with that. Now, in both, both translations there, I think the result, I believe, is the same. Serve well as you serve the Lord and follow his commandments. And if this results in a chance for your freedom, either that you can buy your freedom or your master would give you freedom, then take that chance. Take that opportunity. In Corinth, as in, in the whole Roman Empire of that time, there were slaves and there were people who owned slaves. And now it seems reasonable I think you would all agree to say that in the church at Corinth, there would be slaves and there would be owners and there were people who used to be slaves. And all these people would be part of the same church and all in fellowship on an equal basis. The church was basically the only place in the Roman Empire where slaves, owners, and freed people could interact on an equal playing field. That's interesting. And so Paul commands all people, he says this is his rule in all the churches, to, to, to live at a much higher standard than what the culture around them put forth. 
In Colossians 3, Paul writes that slaves should obey their masters and do everything as if they were doing it for the Lord because they are truly serving the Lord. And a few verses later in Colossians 4, Paul instructs the masters, too, to treat their, their slaves fairly because they should know that they have a master as well in heaven. Now, I believe what this means for us today is that whatever job you have in the economy of God, it doesn't matter. Don't, so, it doesn't matter if you have something that you may, might consider a low job, and it doesn't matter if you are, have a, a high job, whatever that might mean in your eyes. What does matter is that God is calling us to a higher standard. It means that we need to be an outstanding employee in whatever job you are doing. Do your job as if Jesus was your boss. It also means to be an outstanding employer. If you have people under you, if you are a manager or if you are a boss, do your work as if you are working for Jesus. Now, back to free solo climbing. It feels like that this passage of the Bible, as I was reading it, it kind of feels like we're, we're in the middle of the rock wall that we are collectively climbing, all right? So we're all in, that, we're all in this together. We're all climbing up this hill, up the yeah, hill, yeah, it's a cliff, all right? God has this route mapped out for all of humanity and his church, and we're partway up the wall. The bottom... Was this at the start of the rock wall would be creation, you know, the story of Genesis. And the top of the wall, the peak of the mountain, would be Jesus' return and the events at the end of time. And we, and also the church in Corinth, are somewhere in the middle. We are climbing, and we're getting there, but we're not at the top yet. And the good thing. <laughs> is that God has already done root planning. He already knows where we're going, and he already knows how to get there. And he knows where to go, and he is telling us how to do it. He's helping us. So what is the top? What's our goal that God has put in place for us? And we must go to the book of Revelation for that. That makes, makes sense. In Revelation 5, 9 and 10, it tells us that there are 24 elders singing a new song. You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God's saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Hmm. Two chapters later, we find those saints gathered into this great multitude of people. In Revelation 7, 9, and 10, it gives us this amazingly beautiful glimpse of the future. After this I looked, this is John recording his vision, after this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could possibly count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the, the throne and before the Lamb. 
robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. The end goal, the peak of the rock wall is this. A great multitude of people from everywhere speaking different languages from different cultures and tribes, but all together worshiping and praising God. That's what we're working toward. That's why Paul says it doesn't matter what culture and people group you are from. It doesn't matter what your social status is or what your economic status is. All that matters is following the commandments of God. Because in the end, we will all be together. And all those unique differences will take second place to the main purpose of being together in front of the throne of God. We will be united in worship of our Savior and our King. Paul points us toward this unity. In Galatians 3, 26 to 28, it says, he writes this, For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all united in Christ Jesus. This brings us to the big point today. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. In a culture where buying and selling slaves were co- was common, I could imagine this caught a few people, maybe lots of people off guard. Because this wasn't just talking about the one or two people that were already slaves and that knew what it, what it meant to be bought. But this was addressed to the whole church. Everybody was bought with a price. And everyone was worth the same amount. They were bought with the same price. There's nobody who was worth more or worth less in this transaction. We were all bought with a price. So what does this mean for us in, in a culture where, for, for obvious reasons, we don't practice slavery anymore? <laughs> we have condemned slavery and we see it as evil. For us to hear that you have been bought with a price, that should catch our attention even more. This means for us that in one transaction, Jesus became our Savior and Jesus became our Lord and Master. So Jesus is our Savior. Jesus saved us. God purchased us so that we are free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. As 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, you know that you were ransomed 
from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. We were ransomed, we were bought back from the futile ways of sin. Jesus' blood was the price that was paid for our freedom. Paul writes in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are no longer under the power of sin, but we are now serving a new kingdom, a new king. Jesus is our Lord and Master. We become servants, or slaves, and I know that's a tough word to swallow right now, but we become slaves of God. Paul writes in Romans 6, 17 and 18, But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching which you have been entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And he expands a few verses later in verse 22. But now that you have been freed from sin, and hear this, enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification, holiness. The end is eternal life. We are no longer slaves to sin because Jesus bought our freedom, using his blood to pay our ransom, and now instead we are slaves to righteousness. Or better yet, we are slaves of God. As slaves or, or servants of God, it makes sense then that we would follow the commandments of God. We wouldn't be very good slaves if we didn't follow the commands of our master. And the beauty of our Lord and master is that he says these, these gentle words to us in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus becomes our Lord and Master, it is not a heavy, dreary set of tasks that is set before us. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, how, how did he answer? He said to the man who asked him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said it, said it himself, all other commandments hang on these two things, love God and love people. 
When Paul says that following the commandments of God is the most important thing, this is what he means. To walk in the way of love no matter what. But we are not alone in this pathway. Jesus says in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commands. But here's what Jesus promises. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. We are not alone. The Corinthian church was not alone in their struggle to figure out how to do life in this mixed community. We are not alone to, how, to figure out how to do life, how to walk that way of love in our mixed community here. The Holy Spirit, the Helper, is here to help us. And so I ask you, have you been bought with a price? Have you accepted the transaction that Jesus accomplished? Has Jesus become the Savior of your life? Are you free from the bondage of sin? Has Jesus become the Lord and Master of your life? Have you become a slave of God, willing to do whatever God has commanded you to do? If you haven't, I plead with you, come forward and make the best decision that you ever will in your life. Let Jesus be the Savior of your life. And then let Jesus be the Lord and Master of your life. If, you want, if, if that is something that is, is striking a chord with you, come talk to me. Come talk to me after the service, and I would love to pray with you. I would love to, to lead you through that decision. It's messages like this and mornings like this that make me glad that we can celebrate communion every Sunday. That's what we want to do right now. What an amazing way to celebrate and remember that it is all, all about Jesus. That Jesus bought us with the price of his blood. And so if Jesus is your Lord and Savior... Please come forward and take a cracker and some juice and go back to your seats and then we will we'll have communion together. Mm-hmm.